Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 102. It's the second in-person one in about three shows, which is, is really interesting. But I've got the pleasure of being at the actual FI offices today, uh, in their brand new offices. And today I'm joined by uh, Mike Bowen, CMO. How are you doing? Oh yeah, very well, thanks. Uh, we're not joined by Adam today. Couldn't make it. In we're the... not, no. He had a family commitment, unfortunately. But, um, you know, he sends his uh, love and best wishes to all the, uh, the FIG listeners. And hope, hopefully we provide a, you know, a, a welcome substitute to him. Well, you say we, we might as well introduce the other man sitting across me, Kieran Rowan, COO and head of product. Is that right? Correct, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, good to, good to be here today. And uh, yeah, looking forward to a good chat about Football Index and, uh, and yeah, that. <laughs> well, you've got your coffee in hand, so uh, it, it could be a long one, but not too long, hopefully. Uh, we've got a couple of miscellaneous questions that we'll start with. Nice. Uh, Sam Friedman, who uh, you guys have told me that you've noticed uh, recently as a very smart individual who's on Football Index. He says, uh, what's your average weekly dividend payout and average weekly taking commissions? And he says to me, I think, if you can get them to answer that, I'll buy you a beer on the 7th, alluding to the uh, to the live show that he was on. So I'm sure you guys can't get into the intricacies of everything that's going on, but how is, how's everything going business-wise? He's all, kind all of chap, isn't he? I'm, I'm, well, I wonder if he'll buy me a beer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we obviously we're not going to Publish accounts on on here, but I think it, you know uh, it's very clear we're a profitable and growing organisation. I think it's fairly clear, you know how we're how we're operating the business and and things are moving forward quite nicely. So yeah, we're 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 all pleased. I don't know if you got anything to add to that, Kieran. Yeah, no, I, I think yeah, uh, we're moving into a new office. We're hiring, uh, you know, and growing the team um, to to build for the future and build the, a better organization to support football index and yeah that all that all indicates obviously that we're, we're in a pretty useful situation and also alongside that all the advertising that's going on that's you know i think people sometimes think that's just free or cheap <laughs> yeah well indeed and it, and I, yeah, I can guarantee you it's not much you know much to be bemoaned by our by our board of directors but what one thing i actually received today which i Slightly, I'll post a picture of it on Twitter later. Um, uh, the taxis that we ran in in London, which I still see everywhere, they actually uh, delivered a little scale model of a taxi, which is Football Index branded. That there was one for me and one for Adam, and they're uh, yeah proudly so displayed the on, going. On, on the desk. <laughs> yeah, indeed, in little uh, yeah desk toys. Um, so no, that's uh, that's nice, um, and yeah, good good reminder. From, uh, from their ad agency that that was a pretty successful campaign. Well, it seems everything's going well. I think we can see that, you know, in the market and all the advertising and kind of like the, the, the community itself's grown. But uh, Stanford's got a question here. I think he, you guys might have met him before at Trader Meets. He's a guy that loves dividends a lot. Uh, with the growth FI has experienced since the share split, can we expect the dividend structure to reflect a true single, double, treble format in the near future? So the dividend structure that we've published and that we're sticking with it has been you know the subject of much analysis and detailed uh, risk analysis and really it's it's a very generous structure as it is uh, and it's built out such that it's the generous but fiscally responsible dividend that we can use uh, to to generate the demand in in this in this market we think it's uh, we think it's the appropriate one for now do you think sometimes maybe if I'm a new user, I go on it and 
intuitively if it's you know triple double single you think they'd match up with the dividend pairs have you considered changing the names maybe that's a possibility yeah there was a there was quite a bit of discussion about changing the names and then um i think the identifying something that was more befitting of, of what it was or less misleading I suppose um, because I, I do appreciate that double triple etc uh, sort of suggests one thing and in fact is another it sort of basically got pushed back because the it's not a huge priority there was we haven't actually heard from new traders that that's a kind of misleading thing it was more I, I sense it was more a um, you know enthusiastic um, dividend earners who were quite keen to see if they could get the get the payouts to match the name. So you know we'll continue to monitor that, but I certainly wouldn't um, say it's a huge high priority to change. Yeah, and it's also probably those people that hate you know, not having round numbers in their portfolios. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mix of things, I suppose. But I mean, what Stanford asks is probably, you know, a little bit slightly tongue in cheek, but people continue ask, continually ask about dividends and, and whether they'll increase, where they'll increase, about share splits and so on and so forth. And we had one recently. Uh, we talked previously uh, about, you know, mainly you, Kieran, about moving away from that kind of share split dividend increase model. Have you guys thought about that? long-term nature of where the market could go from from that kind of stance at all yeah and it's kind of built into some of how we're thinking about uh, rolling out the order books in association with nasdaq um so yes we we have spent you know quite a bit of time thinking about how how that is going to mature as the market gets to varying different stages it's not probably really ready for a a full unveiling or anything like that but um yeah we we are thinking about that as we progress that project because that's where the the bones and, and the spine of this uh, this platform is going to be. Yeah, I think a lot of people think that it's going to just be like it is now forever, and in reality, in two three years, you could be looking at a product with order books and, and so on and so forth. And I think that's really important for people to realise that it could be something not completely different, but it could look very different in a couple of years. Personally, I really like the idea that we might, um, and I think I've said this the last time, that we might roll up the shares and, and, and be able to trade fractional shares. So you could simply buy £10 of whatever footballer and, and then you'll have absolutely round numbers on your cash side. <laughs> <laughs> but absolutely not round numbers, um, or even full pennies probably on your, that, on your dim It, it might inform your footballer choice. Yeah, well, fair <laughs> I do, personally, I like that as well because I think that uh, kind of our experience of individually buying Bitcoin and speaking to people who buy those kind of uh, cryptos, etc., quite often can't afford to buy a whole Bitcoin, whatever that that is worth these days. So it's um, you know certainly a well-trodden path from that perspective, and one that uh, yeah I'd welcome. But I think when we did the share split, we calculated there was kind of enough he headroom in that to, to kind of see us through this order books process, really get that kind of bedded in and, and then we can take a view at a, at a later stage, I think. I'm, I'm sure that was kind of in your thinking when there was a lot of speculation with the last share split and the dividend increase, whether things would be rounded up or down or stayed as decimals. And I, I think you guys kept it simple and yeah. with, a, with a view to get you to that order book point. Definitely. Keep everything as, as simple as possible. Which is sort of, 
going, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about it later, but that's kind of trundling along quite nicely to the point where I had seen a few demos in the past couple of weeks of, you know, the NASDAQ back end and bits and pieces. Um, really exciting stuff, I've got to say. It's like, it really feels like there's a lot of momentum behind making that happen. Um, but yeah, we'll, I guess we'll talk about that later. I mean, for those of you listening, Mike is grinning ear to ear, so yeah. I'm, I'm excited now. Um, you guys are about to turn four years old, and the Tool Bob FI. We said, are indeed. Yeah. Said, uh, are you planning anything special for FI's birthday? I think this podcast will go out after your birthday, but uh, any, anything planned? Any um, celebrations? <clears throat> is this uh, is this a sort of uh, question about are we going to do some kind of special offer, or are we going to do a are we going to do a, a birthday party? Um, we, we're tentatively looking at doing a, a kind of trader meet. Uh, haven't 100% locked that in yet, so don't get too excited. Uh, but yeah, it's p- potentially something that we're gonna look to do. We should really do one before the end of the year anyway. So it might be a belated birthday party if you like. One thing we are going to do and we're sort of introducing is that we want to do a kind of trader panel. Um, so we're gonna kick that off in its infancy. Um, around the time of our, our birthday and we've been in contact with a, a number of traders to try and get like a, a representative um, of different kind of groups of people so um, people who have large portfolios people who have smaller portfolios uh, people of different age demographics etc definitely some new traders as well yeah new traders older traders um, and I think it's it's something which will kind of we really want to do a, a couple of times a year, and you know, sit in a room together, have a, a conversation with people about what they like, what they don't like, what they'd like to see more of, um, and and sort of hear it from the horse's mouth because I think we've, in, to some extent, come to a place where or arrived at a place where Twitter and social media doesn't quite serve that purpose quite so efficiently as it, as it once did when when sort of Adam will go on and do um, like his Q&As and stuff, which he's still really keen to do, but it's that kind of thing is turning into quite a big undertaking just for him to physically manage like responding to people and the volume of tweets and stuff that come in. Um, and he's like, you know, he always sort of spends a long time on there, like normally runs over. Um, and I think it's just really good that rather than have one um, kind of profile of trader, which you might find in, obviously there's numerous types of people on Twitter, but the people who are on Twitter and possibly quite vocal on Twitter, we get to hear from people who of different kind of, um, yeah, who have different sort of considerations in the index um, and represent all, you know, all the people who, who use it and enjoy it. So that's something which, um, yeah, look out for. And our plan on it really is we, we get people in, we'll discuss the product, we'll discuss all of the um, things that people love, hate, and all the rest of it. We'll have a, we'll have a beer or two. Um, and then we'll publish um, on, our, on our news site what the, fi- what the findings of what the feedback was. And, you know, we're really, really eager to hear the feedback from people in a, in a kind of, yeah, horse's mouth sort of way, I guess. It's really important for us because um, we've gone through a phase of quite a lot of back-end engineering where we've been kind of rebuilding and, and, and 
sub adding more substance to our infrastructure and and uh, as as we get to a place where we can make more uh, kind of product decisions around kind of what we what we want to do rather than what we have to do um, for the sake of scale um, it's really important that we have a, a good balanced uh, set of views um, and uh, aren't listening to uh, well aren't um, ignoring valid viewpoints mm. I think there's a few points that I want to pick up on one that the, the Twitter feedback thing is, is really interesting because for me it's really hard to gauge how someone actually feels when they just write something yeah. whereas if I tell you I'm happy with something face to face you probably know how happy I am yeah same with constructive feedback so I think it's important to get that kind of face-to-face -face feel and every successful product they listen to their customers and yeah. I think you guys have done a really great job up to this point and stuff like this is going to really help take this thing to the next level and on top of that I think you know you've done a lot of like surveys and stuff via email if you have this kind of trader panel or a couple or two or three whatever however many it is then you know even those could feed into those surveys that eventually go out to thousands and then you get a really nice data set that kind of impacts your product that's it and we can kind of see as well um what's really interesting is when you show people like new features so if they can their views on those features can change over time um and i think ultimately yes meeting people face to face is really important we but we want to hear from everyone and we're going to try to do more uh, online surveys around like features functionality marketing um and then I guess almost try and plot over time how people feel about things. Are people getting more annoyed about certain things? Are they getting uh, more excited about other things? Um, and yeah, that's a kind of interesting way of looking at data and, and feedback as well. So it's, um, yeah, pretty exciting times. Part of, part of kind of the advantage of, you know, we've, got, we've gotten to a certain scale now and we've, we've actually got, you know, UX team in, in the house as well. And getting, getting that in-person feedback is really important in, in some cases because so whilst um, obviously we'll, we'll, we'll do a lot of research and, and, uh, and uh, as, as we design and build and prototype things, um, sometimes you, you, you really won't know how someone's going to perceive it until you see, see them using it in, in person. Uh, one, one of my favorite examples was, I think there was like some uh, example from maybe Amazon or someone like, that, someone like this, that like uh, they, they had the, the search uh, magnifying glass icon and when, when they moved it to another market, um, you know, the, the ones, they thought it would be great, but nobody was using search. And uh, then they realized that everybody thought it was like a picture of a frying pan or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is, is this where you get frying pans on Amazon? <laughs> the wonders of uh, UX design. One little, one little change and uh, you're, uh, you're in a completely different place. Um, it's, it's interesting you picked up what you talked about, like kind of showing people new features. And, um, you know, we've seen some new snaps of the new website. And I think, Kieran, you yourself have out snaps of you know this is what we think audit books could look like or like this is preview of new app or whatever and um, what, what do you think we can expect to see you know between now and the end of 2019 from the development on the website and the app side of things um, well we're going to be releasing the beta website in relatively short order we've got a release candidate going around internally at the moment um, so uh, the team is is really giving that the ones over we want it to be in in 
quite good shape and quite, you know we want to take out some of the some of the nitty little bugs that people will know notice by by use uh, ahead of getting it out getting out getting it out to the general public but yeah we we've got that new new website release coming up which is which is awesome and i'm i'm chuffed to bits about it and i've speaking to adam before about it and i was sort of saying it's a bit like being a rock star and you've You've recorded the new songs and you just want to get on the road and like <laughs> start performing I'm, I'm like super excited about the new site because i just think it's such a as like a holistic piece of work that we've done i think it's like a, a kind of great leap forward from from where we've been and you know the old sites kind of served us well but i'm sure that your listeners will um, attest to some of the, the the issues that they've uh, experienced with it, some of which will be extremely annoying. And you know, I'm not saying that the the new one is going to be absolutely perfect from from the word go. But you know, by God, I think the the team have put like a, a lot into into it, and it's um, it really looks it looks much more befitting of of something that we you know football you would expect from Football Index, I guess, um, and and the kind of brand. Yeah, we're, we're, we're very excited about it. I mean, some of the important features around it are, you know, we've got individual footballer pages and we'll have uh, data analysis tools on those footballer pages to understand their performance and, and so on. Um, and possibly also some additional deeper data analysis tools as well. So uh, along with, you know, a few other nice, nice, more modern search capabilities and so on, we're, we're really excited about it. Cool. And do you think so? That you think that will be out before the new year? I would really hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, did you see that I just stared at you rather than look at him? I'm, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm desperate to get it out because I'm you're so enthusiastic about it. But uh, you know, I appreciate. <laughs> I, I do. Yeah, I want to market something that that looks um, that much better, and it and it really does look that much better. I think, but. Um, you know, Kieran's quite right. We're we're giving it a good old tire kicking before it um, before it hits the road. Yeah, we've got a, you know we've got a very um, methodical rollout process for it. So we'll roll it out. We're obviously doing internal testing at the moment, and we'll roll it out to a small number of users um, early on. Then we'll roll it out as a public beta, and then as each of those stages is brought to a, a satisfactory completion and we're getting positive feedback, then we'll move to the main www and uh, yeah, move on, S- send our, our old friend into the sunset, <laughs> on, on to Valhalla. <laughs> but, I mean, a lot of people do use the desktop website, but a lot of people use the app as well. Is, there gonna be, is that going to be after the website's rolled out? Is it kind of taking a lower priority? No, it's uh, it's par- it's parallel track. So we've got a separate team that works on the apps um, and a separate team that works on the website. So we can see we we can expect to see some of the the nice features uh, that and and nice design that are coming through in the website, also coming through with the app and and also some stuff that's maybe unique to the app because um, you know mobile technology is, has some unique characteristics in in what we can do with it. I'm bloody excited. Uh, <laughs> sounds really, really cool, honestly. Um, we've got a question here moving on from kind of features and, and websites and apps and stuff from uh, Football Index No Skill Dons. Mouthful of a name these days. Are Football Index going to make it easier to see when a share is due to expire? 
or is this going to be the responsibility of the trader? And I hazard a guess, Kieran, that this is going to be part of the, the new rollout of the website and the, the app. So it won't be in the initial version of the website, but it is very high on the priority list after, after that. So we've got a tool um, that we will be able to use to uh, indicate when you've bought a footballer, when it's going to expire for in-play dividends, and uh, also when it's going to expire. So that is on the on the agenda for sure. Um, it's not in the initial rollout because we've got quite a lot of new stuff, and we want to make sure that's all stable and working really well already before we bite off additional new new things. Because it's yeah, it's it's very important for us to focus and, and get get individual parts of it to a high level first. Yeah, I think uh, prioritizing is is key, isn't it? Uh, a lot of people have been asking about that, but it's good to see that it's it's clearly on your radar. Um, and one thing that I'm sure is also on your radar is is IPOs, because earlier Mike, you said that um, people don't really complain that much about the single, double, and triple day dividends, yes. but a lot of people complain to me about where's this player and where's that player so I can only imagine how many emails that you guys get um, and Football Index Frog here says one topic is above all others in my opinion IPO is the lifeblood of the index moving forward it's fundamental these operate effectively and efficiently where are FI at this can we expect developments here soon and will the tech be in place for IPOs to operate effectively there's, yeah. there's a lot there but yeah I guess going through that I, I suppose I tend to agree with all of that apart from um, you know them being the absolute lifeblood of the of the index um, I think you know they're obviously a an important part of the index um, I think that they will play an even more significant part um, once we get to order books but what, what I can say about this is that um, and I sort of alluded to it before we'd I've seen uh, the IPO process, the new IPO process demoed, our proposed new process demoed with the NASDAQ back end earlier this week and the NASDAQ back end looks pretty shiny and uh, awesome, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it will be enormously more transparent um, and um, slicker and simpler for people to get involved. I think what we're really keen to focus on is that, you know, we we don't want people sort of feeling really um, disgruntled about IPOs because IPOs at the moment um, are probably the biggest gripe that people have. So we've taken something that's quite positive and managed, not by design, but by the situation we're in with the technology that we've had to date, um, to to kind of wind people up, which you know, and, and annoy people, which is obviously the last thing that we want to do. We want it, IPS to be an exciting uh, proposition that everyone feels that they have a fair chance of getting involved in. Um, so I've got you know a lot of confidence that the the new solution, which is basically, I mean, I'll let Kieran talk a bit more about sure. how the Nasdaq thing works, but I think that I think that what we certainly agreed. Um, in principle last week sounds like a really kind of good solution to that. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I mean, basically the approach that we want to take is possibly a little bit more similar to a real IPO in, in, in a lot of senses in that it'll be kind of probably auction based. Um, and, and this is kind of quite a common pattern in other markets. Um, 
so uh, yeah it, and it also possibly takes a bit of the um, pressure away from kind of people trying to feel like they have to be online at a particular time so you know it, it should be slightly less pressurized from that point of view but still quite an exciting process for people to kind of get get on board with some of the new new footballers the process that we have at the moment it was fit for purpose at a certain scale it's not what we want to do right now um, and we've managed that and we've put some things in place to stabilize the system and make it work better but it still doesn't reflect what we would like to be doing with it um, uh, so yeah we're really keen to to prioritize the IPO part and actually that's probably one of the ways that we'll try and de-risk our rollout of the order books is by actually doing IPOs first so that we're not um, putting people's existing holdings at risk um, so if, if you want to get involved in an IPO and try try an order book for the first time at least you're not um, you know uh, it's, it's not your preciously held Pogba's or something like that that are that are first on the on the line. <laughs> but is, is that going to look a bit like a kind of some sort of blind bidding functionality or is it going to be you mentioned IPOs in other markets where usually when people buy at IPO they have to hold for a certain amount of time in, in some cases is there going to be any similarities there to, to that? There, there will be a bidding process I believe um, the, blind or not is still slightly up for up for question um, that's kind of a, a decision that we'll make a little bit later um, probably what we'll, what we'll do is we'll, we'll launch it and we'll review it after a while because it's as as you know we, we can we can get people's feedback in advance but until people are using it uh, you know we're gonna have to um, really let them give it a give it a good going over until we actually uh, feel like we've got the absolute perfect solution because yeah it's, it's a great opportunity to make a, a system that everybody's happy with I think that's the kind of beauty of the Nasdaq technology and the stuff that we've seen that you know even in a pretty short uh, discussion uh, last week we it was presented to us like three different ways just just it, it, you know in front of our eyes how, how we could do this um, so there's a lot of flexibility there whereas I guess kind of what Kieran just said is that you know the, the current system isn't really fit for purpose to to achieve such flexibility and it's a bit like trying to cook a Michelin star meal in a in a chippy um, so you know we're we're moving out of the chippy and we're going into the the Michelin star restaurant and you know that opens an enormous amount of opportunities to us. Um, so and I'm sure everyone will have a lot of feedback on how they would like to see IPOs perform, but that's one of the items that we that we're going to get feedback from from traders. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that got suggested on episode 99 and 100 was why don't they just have a football manager style database where every single person is available. And for me, like when I thought about IPOs, I got less bogged down on, on the way that you do it rather than if you have the tech behind it, then the possibilities are kind of endless for you guys, right? Uh, which, is, which is a positive. I think the, I think the massive database of footballers there's there's some appeal to that but at the same time we need liquidity to be kind of somewhat focused so one of the things that you know maybe it's maybe it's not today or even this year but one of the things that I'd really like to do is have a 
a page for a huge database of footballers and, and people can register interest. So that would mean that we're more likely to IPO the players that have high interest and thus probably higher liquidity. Mm. I, I mean, I don't want to say that I disagree with you, but a lot of people have said, oh, I want to find the person that no one else knows about. Yeah. So is there, is there going to be potentially opportunity for people to, to do something in, in that fashion because I suppose if you're all registering interest for the most popular players that aren't on there yet kind of like it was when with the voting process back in the day um, does that kind of defeat that purpose to some extent I don't know I mean uh, it's something that we have to consider uh, you know but uh, yeah so I, I think yeah there, there's a, fa- a fair point that you know there is a, an amount of satisfaction so maybe we can find a way of rewarding those people who are first to the first to the uh, first to the uh, the rising stars but we'll have to think about it you know it's important that we have a fair and open process we have to do some risk management about kind of reserve prices and, and making sure that we don't get overexposed on dividends so you know we, we have to be moderately careful about um, our own process of, of IPOing a, an unknown footballer for you know Peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think when someone pitched the kind of football manager database thing to me, I was like, if I was them, I wouldn't even offer instant sell on some of the players who were like 15 or 16 or just coming onto the index. And is is that an, the age thing? Is that an, an issue in terms of how young you can actually put a player onto the index? Is that a thing? Well, I mean, we were discussing this the other day with the um, his Fatty. name Fatty. His, his name escapes <laughs> me, but yeah, Fatty. Um, and you know, I I popped over to uh, Paddy Power and had a look, and he was you know seven to two uh, first goal scorer uh, the weekend. Um, by the time this goes out, that that probably won't be the odds. But, um, it's it seems that no one has any particular issue around taking bets on those um, players. You know, we we obviously need to take a view on that um, with with a legal team, but I think, um, you know, the, the, the idea that someone who is a professional sportsman like Fatty, whatever age he is, is slightly different from someone who's in the, you know, oh, Stephen Gerrard joined Liverpool at the age of eight, uh, I don't think we're going to start selling, uh, you know, shares and players like that. I, I would, I would very much bet against us doing that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised uh, that we're not going to be seeing any eight-year-olds on the index. <laughs> yeah, um, the CJB Sacred, uh, who was on the pod a, a while ago, is really good. Uh, he said, "What is the current situation regarding Nasdaq?" So, uh, Kieran, this might be one for you, but maybe kind of explaining to us how this relationship between you guys work because it's, it's really super exciting i mean seeing you guys mentioned on uh, was it like C, C, cnn like all yeah those are like big and um, and i've got i've got to make this point because even some people in the office didn't realize that it was a real thing but the picture of adam cole in times square like on the nasdaq advertisement it, they actually they actually put real. that's actually real that wasn't something that we just like I think everyone thought it was Photoshop. That's actually a real photograph. Um, and yeah, they, they, Nasdaq are really enthusiastic about um, the partnership and how it obviously is a, is a great opportunity for them, as, as I'm sure everyone will have seen from, um, from their press release. But yeah, they, so they put him up as a, uh, you know, entrepreneur in profile and there, there he was, Adam Cole. Um, 
but yeah, that's just a myth buster. That's a real photo. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a really, really exciting uh, process that we're going through. So um, they're, they're launching a, a new cloud-based uh, matching engine, um, which is uh, kind of a, you know, the, the, the functionality that we'll use to, um, to, to basically match trades through Football Index. Um, so they'll provide, a, as, as we might put it, a spine where all, all of our orders that we create on Football Index will get sent to NASDAQ. They'll get matched there using their, using their super fast, super reliable tech that can scale to ridiculous levels. And um, we should have a really reliable um, and fast trading platform. So uh, that should be able to handle spikes in scale and spikes in demand and so on. So uh, we've been going through a process. We've been uh, understanding how their system works. Uh, we've been building out parts of our system to talk to NASDAQ and uh, sending, sending orders back and forth. Obviously, we're gonna go through a hugely extensive testing process uh, and then roll it out initially probably uh, on a limited number of opportunities um, with some IPOs and, and then make some decisions from there how quickly we roll it out to other markets. That's awesome. How, um, how soon do you think we'll, we'll see that? I, cu I couldn't put a date on it because it's, uh, you know, we, we're already doing some trades internally um, on, on our testing. Um, we want to make sure, we, we, we don't want to put it out before we're re feeling 110% on it mm. um, because it's a, a really important step for us and we really want to put it out there and, and people to see how, how good it really is. It's, it's cool though, isn't it, from the perspective of, I, I think from the, the sort of vision of the technology that we've we've got this like super duper tech partner that's absolutely like specializes in the, the matching engine if you like on on these order books and in a sense that gives us like more scope once that's delivered to like focus on the the real football indexy parts of, of mm. the front end and the experience. Um, like safe in the knowledge that we've got, you know, a world-class system like performing the, the kind of nuts and bolts of, of, of what we need it to do. The stuff that they've, you know, spent 20, 20 years and God only knows how many hundreds of millions of dollars on, you know, being the foremost experts in, we can take advantage of that. How has it been working with what is such a gargantuan company? And I know lots of massive companies tend to move slower. Has that had to, have you guys had to kind of allay your, not allay, fix your expectations in terms of how fast you can move with them? Or have they been kind of culturally aligned into how quick you guys move as a company? They've been a great partner for us. Um, so, you know, they're, you know, they're very responsive. They're rolling out this new cloud match, matching platform um, so they're really attentive and really excited and really keen to, for it to be a massive success. So um, they've been really supportive and uh, yeah, we, we've been working with them and learning their system and, and they've been very responsive in, in uh, adjusting to, to help us as, as much as they can. It seems like they've put a lot of resource behind it as well. It's not so much like the, the way the question, I interpreted your question was it almost felt like, oh, they're this... Um, you know, what, what, like battleship, which is really difficult to move anywhere or to uh, turn around. That's not the experience at all, is it? They, they've really 
put like a lot of people behind this, which is which is yeah. great. And they've got tremendous resources behind it as well, just in terms of support and so on. So they they've got you know ridiculously staffed out you know twenty four seven ops situations, which are going to uh, kind of you know if if something blips, somebody somebody's on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those kind of things might be useful if someone's trading in New Zealand or something like that, right? But it's uh, it's interesting, you know, when businesses are like kind of tech first, they they tend to move really quickly even if they are battleship size which is yeah. which is pretty good um kieran i want to pick your brains on order books because i think i released a video about i don't know when like six months ago trying to explain what they could be like or how traditionally they work on you know like a betfair or like in other markets and people got really scared <laughs> um, which was not the reaction that i thought i'd see but um then i kind of know how they work so um a lot of people are fearful more than excited by them, what, what would you kind of say to those people? I think there's a small learning process, but I think that it, it's an incredibly powerful trading tool that will help people take more control over over what they achieve from the market. So I think we're gonna make a, every effort and, and make a real focus on keeping it a intuitive and simple process, but it also unlocks kind of a number of different trading strategies that will allow people to uh, manage their portfolios better. Um, per- perhaps yes, it's it's scary get, getting getting into the car after riding your bike for you know ma- many years, but um, yeah, it's it's, it's going to unlock a lot of possibilities for people. I, you know, th- there's always a natural fear of change, and you know, you know, you know we we're very conscious of it being a a shift. Um, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that there's loads of education before and as it rolls out. Uh, we're going to make sure that, you know, from a design point of view, we're going to do tons of testing with users and, and make sure that it's a, a really intuitive um, app and website experience. Um, and yeah, we're, we're very conscious that a lot of our, you know, loyal and best traders are people who are more interested in football than people who have extensive financial trading backgrounds. Uh, but we feel like we can deliver a experience that's going to be quite satisfactory. But you know, we're, we're not complacent on it. That was, that was like the starting point, I think, around all of this was we, we realized the need requirement out there to deliver something that gave traders more control, more transparency, more features. But we also started this whole football index endeavor to create recreational markets which are accessible to people. And we're absolutely determined to stay true to that. So what I would say to people who are perhaps, um, you know, slightly fearful of what order books means to them is that they will and should be able to still continue trading in very much the same fashion they are now, very recreationally. And what we've always talked about is, you know, an an expanse of options which come to supplement that. So I think that's the vision, isn't it? That we have a football index, which is very similar to what it looks like now with with extra stuff that you can do, should you choose to or not. Um, And I think, that that wouldn't necessarily put people at a massive disadvantage. 
I think it would just give, um, if they don't use the, those features, I think it would just give people more control if they want more control, which I think is, is great. I think potentially having those not separate parts but conjoining parts is, is a really interesting thing that a lot of other people have done. I mean, Coinbase where you can buy like cryptocurrency, you have like the, the traditional one and they have like a exchange which look completely different but the underlying thing's all the same, like what they're selling and the liquidity is completely the same. And I think Smarkets have done something recently with their sports book where the sports book is actually the odds you see are from the exchange. It's just the interface is like a simple sports book. And I said on a podcast that I recorded uh, on, on Tuesday, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if FI do something like this because it would cater to kind of everyone's needs and make it not scary. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an option that we've considered, but um, yeah, we'll make sure to test the varying routes to market really. I think we can achieve something that's, that's the right balance um, but yeah, uh, it, it could be that we ultimately also have a slightly more technical version and a more user-friendly, simplified version. Awesome, awesome. And like the order book timeline, is that similar to when NASDAQ and you guys are going to be completely integrated into each other? Or is again, is it in the distant future where you can't really give a date on it yet? It's, it's the same timeline. Um, so order books and NASDAQ are joined at the hip. The, the, the distant future is not, not, a, not the terminology we're using on that, <laughs> on that either. That's like the main thing that is being worked on at the moment. So, you know, it's kind of, we, we, don't, we don't want to foresee it as a distant um, prospect at all. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, yeah, quite a high priority, and we've got a team uh, who's working very, very hard on it uh, at the moment. So, yeah. Well, I think that's going to be a, a game changer, personally speaking. I think yeah. it's going to be awesome. I think it looks awesome. I mean, I yeah, I'm you know, ridiculously excited, like having because I only got my first peek of it. I know that obviously the guys have been working on it for like some time, and you're familiar with it and stuff, Kieran. But I only really got my first peek. Um, but you know, under the bonnet the other day, and, it, and I was just sort of, wow, this, you know, it's sort of all of a sudden when you see footballers' names like lined up in a NASDAQ platform uh, with all the features and functionality, it's just like, wow, you know, this is this is actually happening, and it, yeah. it, it was really, really cool. A bit emotional. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, given that you guys are that, at that stage, I was obviously very wrong in saying distant future, we might see it sooner rather than later, um, which is, again, really exciting, but I won't hold you guys to a date. That's, that's unfair, isn't it? Uh, we've got a question here from Bitcoin Yoda Football Index. So I think it's good for you guys that people have had to choose names this completely random. <laughs> that many Football Index accounts are out on Twitter. This is great. Um, with expansions into new territories rumoured to be on the horizons, would they look to open media to foreign outlets, for example, market and, and build? And I think we'll start with the, the foreign territories. I think we are, you know, Ireland and then there's New Zealand. There was some regulatory things with Sweden and Canada, which I don't think were your guys' faults, but are we going to see any more um, expansion? <laughs> yes, we're looking at foreign expansion. Um, yes, uh, there are a couple of very good candidates for this, um, but it's, a, it's, it's an exploratory thing because we need to learn how we can service those markets and, and what we need to do to localise sufficiently for those markets. 
Um, there has been some suggestion from varying users that actually Marca and a couple of those uh, other major titles might be relevant to the UK market as well. Um, but one of the things that we'd like to do and uh, separating from the, the international story is probably look at how, how the media uh, rankings work uh, because it's quite uh, it's it's quite a good system that we've built, and obviously it's had had some great success. But as we open out to a large amount of footballers being eligible to win and so on, we'll probably look to do a, a similar consultation to how we uh, how we did with the uh, the match day rankings and and so on uh, to to get people's more recent uh, perceptions of it. Yeah, because I think some of the things as a new user if you go onto it you think oh why is this player winning more than that player for, for various reasons whether it's you know having the word united in their name or whatever um, which probably benefits Manchester United players rather than Newcastle mostly um, but that that's quite interesting and, and do you foresee that when you guys do eventually move in you know other European territories other territories worldwide that the actual do you think the media buzz pairs will be still one thing or will there be you know one for La Liga one for Liga or do you are you focused on kind of still keeping it consolidated just discuss different options on that haven't we where you yeah. you know we could you could have a, a payout per division if you like that the, the players are in um I personally favour, I don't know about Kieran, but I, I personally favour, you know, a, as you say, revisiting the the media um, feeds and stuff as well, because that's four years old now, I think, yeah. as, as you pointed out. I think we've got the Huffington um, Post on there, which, yeah. which I don't think has had a sports feed for like, you know, probably a couple of years now. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, you know, and maybe it is more appropriate to say, okay, well, you know, marker, build, uh, the, the 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 likes, they come on board, um, and we and we look to you know secure a global feed that's kind of balanced um, with you know words that you know are don't necessarily have a united a sort of slant on them etc. Um, that would probably short to medium term beat my favoured route, but I'm sure everyone will have their own opinion on on, on how we do that, um, and then. Yeah, focus on getting this Nasdaq stuff live, then getting into other territories with like a much souped-up product. But um, there's various sort of streams of work on it. Yeah, I think um, it was on your official Football Index podcast that Stuart mentioned that uh, European territories lined up for 2020. So any uh, any insight into that? I think um, we're keeping our mouths shut on that for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. But the, um, the, the MB thing is, is really interesting. I think um, because a lot of people say, oh, I don't really care about it, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, to keep this thing 365 days a year, it's really important. It was the foundation and the alpha product for Football Index. Yeah, yeah. And I think giving it a bit of love at some point isn't a bad idea and making it so, you know, does it have to be first and second names? Do they have to have United in them to win regularly can you know a player who plays for PSG or Barcelona become a regular media dividend earner I think is something that could really uh, impact the product in a really positive way I think 
I, yeah, again, from my perspective, I, I'd like to see like different feeds on there and kind of run it separately in a, in a sense. And we've certainly talked about that in the past, haven't we? Where we'd, you know, run a sort of media, um, I don't want to call it media buzz because we've dropped the word buzz, haven't we? But the, the media monitor 2.0 and say, oh, you know, everyone, ha everyone have a look at this and get a feel for it and collect some data before we sort of plug it into the um, to the actual system itself. I mean, technology can do some pretty amazing things now, and well, not, not all of them are as transparent as what we do with the media rankings. Um, so it, it would be quite interesting to understand people's perce perceptions about actually whether it's better to have a media monitor that's more credible and more relevant um, that might not be as transparent in terms of oh I can trace back the scoring of the different uh, the different words in this article uh, or the the exact spelling of this guy's name or that sort of thing um, and actually if, if we were producing more relevant rankings um, is is that a sacrifice people are, are happy to make uh, because we, we could possibly get some quite modern technology there to to identify footballers to uh, and, and to do maybe a slightly better job at the sentiment analysis. It's really interesting. I think uh, maybe one for your trader panel. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, next question here from Football Index MR. Is there any updates on other sports? I think Mike stated early 2020 for tennis and later in the year for golf. Has there been a shift in priorities or do these dates still stand? I think um, possibly those sports were uh, mentioned i think before we signed up to the nasdaq and the order books and committed to that and i think that pretty much all hands are on deck at the moment to get this product 100 percent singing before we start to go into other sort of um verticals of you know there's a lot of opportunities um certainly i won't say where but um a lot of the management team have been off to different parts of the world, different continents and such, and um, you know, and all the different sports that that um, we could do. Um, but no, I can't. I can't see early twenty twenty um, arriving for tennis uh, or or golf. Unfortunately, yeah, it seems unfortunately unlikely. And well, as as Mike says. We you know, football is the priority, um, and obviously the the trading engine is supported. And um, once we're there with that, we can we can look at other options. Yeah, because I think on the last podcast we did about nine months ago, Adam seemed really excited about this gold rush. He called it to to the US, where obviously legislation is slowly becoming looser state by state and hopefully yeah. you'll see lots of different betting companies out there both UK and ones that are US specific but that must be like a really exciting thing for you guys especially with Nasdaq potentially in the future you know rolling out the likes of NBA where there's 82 games a year or NFL and so on and so forth and obviously baseball every day I mean, yeah I'm not saying we're doing baseball but playing play multiple, multiple games per day yeah <laughs> um, I mean yeah, absolutely. I, I think Kieran and I were discussing earlier that, you know, the entire time that I've spent working in the gambling industry, which is an embarrassingly long period of time, um, 
you know, America has always been that that kind of the the gold rush, if you like, um, and and the sort of promised land. And I'm I'm sure that you know we'll find something appropriate to go into that market. But it is, as I say, all focus is on this football product, getting it right, getting this Nasdaq um, piece working, getting our new site live with all the cool new like look and feel. Um, so we're you know we're 100 percent football. At, at this moment in time I mean it's uh, good to hear but also exciting that those things are kind of being looked at more broadly which is uh, I, th- I think it would just be easier to launch when we've got a really robust uh, tech kind of product there um, you know we've invested a lot in tech um, of, of late you know we've we've got a new um, CTO um, on board who has uh, got like a very, very impressive CV from um, various various other outings with um, CMC markets, various investment banks, you know, real sort of thought leader on, on fintech and, and how, we, um, how we sort of, yeah, get to delivery excellence in, in technology. Um, so we're, you know, I, I kind of sometimes see a lot of people on Twitter say like, don't don't book another you know tube advertising campaign put all the money into tech and i'm kind of thinking you know having seen the the investment we're making in into tech i i can assure you that uh we're doing an awful lot of that and it's not all just being uh spent on the the latest newspaper advert yeah i mean a former investment banking cto they don't come cheap these days do they so. aggressively not <laughs> Uh, we've got a question here from Buzzing Pool. Uh, thanks all for reappearing on the podcast and congratulations on the recent period of phenomenal market growth. My question relates to positional changes. Whilst the waterfall should go some way to calming market volatility after position changes, in my opinion, it doesn't go far enough to mitigate the risks associated with a fundamental change in our bets. In your opinion, what is the best way to communicate position changes to users? Well, as... Paul says, you know, we, we've rolled out this waterfall system and we've got to give it some time to, to bed in and see what the, the reality of that is. Um, we've, we've done some analysis on it. We think it should be a lot more stable, but of course we are still subject to the realities of, of where people are positioned in, in, in their squad listings and so on. I wouldn't be opposed to adding uh, some notifications piece there, but at the same time, the underlying functionality that we need to make sure is super hot is the trading functionality, um, in, in my opinion. Um, but uh, yeah, it's certainly uh, something that's not out of out of focus. I think everyone wants obviously the latest data and and, and all that. I think the system that we've developed is probably the fairest way of doing it. Um, I kind of feel like, in in a sense, people obviously don't want uh, market volatility when it's going against them, and I understand the, the the sort of situation around this. But I I do think that obviously, you know, sport by its very nature is a very fluid thing, and you know, I I I don't think Betfair will be sending. Um, live updates to people if Manchester United choose to play three at the back, for instance. I'm, I, I, which I guess I'll, I'll probably be. People will not like that, but the reality is that I think 
Opta provide a data feed. We've got a system in there to mitigate um, unexpected changes, but we can't obviously guarantee where players are going to play. I mean, I, I was at the semi-final uh, in Barcelona last year with Liverpool and Genie Wijnaldum was playing up front. So, you know, I didn't anticipate seeing that, um, but, he, but he did. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think people obviously should just approach with some level of caution that yeah, and be aware that you know this is still a betting product. There's there's a there's a gamble on there, um, and you know I think we've done pretty well to mitigate any any um, undue risks that that could come about. I usually take quite a lot of sympathy with you guys for the positional changes, just because. Well, one, you know, a player like Joshua Kimmich, for example, what do you class him as now? What do Opton class him as now? You know, how do they figure out what position he should be classed at? Is it his heat map, etc.? Like, it's, as you said, football is really transient. And I think people need to understand that if you play, say, quote-unquote, three-year bet, that a player can change club, they can also change position. And it'd be kind of remiss of you guys to make a player a certain position for, for three years because that's just not the reality of football and you want to reflect what's going on on the pitch on the index which is I think a sensible thing to do I kind of think if you've flipped it in another way as well like you know I t- tend to agree if you, if you said okay well what if we sold teams and you might say oh well you know three years ago Manchester United were in the Champions League all the time great so they're going to have all those European games so I'll get all the all these points for that and, and, and whatnot. But the reality is that over time, things do change. And I think, though I totally understand the frustration, I think we acknowledge that the issues around positional changes came as, as a, you know, a surprise to us that we, we didn't want the system to behave like that. We felt it was unfair, that's why we acted. Uh, but as I say, I, I do think everything every bet comes with a, a level of warning and people should be aware that, you know, yeah, things things can change. But before you know it, Virgil van Dijk could be playing for, you know, Brentford or whatever. It's unlikely, right? But it's possible. Or, or, or frustratingly, Davinson Sanchez could be your main right back for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll take a quick break and be back in a second. Just wanted to let you guys know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Index Gain. They have an amazing array of reports on their website where you can see past dividend earners, past performance buzz scores, and they also have some great functionality on Slack, such as the portfolio management tools and just a a generally great community on there as well where you can chat to like-minded traders. If you guys are interested, head over to indexgain.co.uk and you can use the code FIG2020 to get 50% off your first month. Oh, 50%. Right, back again and on with the next question. Uh, (laughs) So this is from uh, Taking Value. Can you introduce a short play? Is that Taking Value? Taking value, <laughs> yeah. Actually, he was on the he was on the show. Really, really smart guy. Really, really smart. Um, he, uh, he, yeah, he's really, really smart. Good name. Yeah, he's taking value. He's done a few blogs that are really interesting as well. Uh, can you taking value? Uh, can you introduce a short players market where we can bet against the total amount of player uh, a, a a player will pay out in their career? 
he says, I want to short the market. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting idea. Um, we quite like it, but um, yeah, it's probably not at the top of our priorities right now. It's, it's all about creating that stable and super scalable trading system for, for the moment. Uh, but yeah, really, really interesting idea. And I think something that might be easier done with order books probably, right? More, more likely, um, you know, these are going to be concepts that are very familiar with, uh, with NASDAQ. And I suppose for you guys, it's, you want to be careful not to appear like a spread betting website. So, you know, with, when you do short, sometimes you, you can lose quite a lot of money depending on what happens yeah. with the player. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it certainly changes the risk profile quite a bit. And yeah, of course, we are one of the friendlier um, kind of betting experiences. Um, so it might, it might shift, um, shift that quite I can't a bit. Be, I can't think of a more friendly betting experience. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 it seems like a good um, opportunity, but that's not something that I would say is really talked about a great deal in, in kind of product development at this moment in time. Yeah. It's not it. high on the agenda, but, is it? Yeah, but a, f a fun idea nonetheless. Yeah, indeed. Just, just getting back slightly to the to the order book thing, I've just remembered a question that I was going to ask uh, back when we were talking about it. Obviously, liquidity is going to be really key there, and, and you guys at the moment provide a generous amount of that with the instant sale and the spreads. Um, did you foresee yourselves doing that forever, or do you see potentially like a third party taking that on um, at some point in in the future uh, when you do have like a, a robust order book? We'd certainly be interested in that. Um, I think you know, liquidity uh, providers and market makers are you know in 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 many markets there will be multiple of those, um, and it ensures some competition. It ensures you know, potentially more availability of of thinner spreads. So yeah, we we would probably welcome that idea potentially. A lot of people at the moment have kind of bemoan the spreads and I know we've talked about it a lot on Twitter yeah. and, and everyone and everyone has uh, commented on it um, what what are your did you read my article I did I did yeah I did read your article um, <laughs> but uh, what what from from your side of things so at the moment I think a lot of people have seen you know there's a 5% here and a 15% and a 3% whatever um, do you want to give a bit more insight about kind of your guys thinking in terms of how the spreads are set currently and where you see them kind of evolving to make it um, so it's ideal for both customer and business? I, I mean, I definitely encourage people to, maybe you could link it on, um, you know, wherever you host the, the, the pod, but, um, you know, I'd point people to the article I wrote on that some time ago. We don't particularly want to, uh, you know, be sitting on the other side and, you know, dictating what the spread is. And that's exactly why we're doing order books. I mean, in a nutshell, so that people can occupy the gap in, you know, the, the, within the spread at the moment. If they think there's more value there, absolutely fantastic. Um, I think there's quite a lot of, yeah, historical kind of um, analysis as to why we ended up with what we ended up with on instant sell. But, you know, we are seeing increasing number of, numbers of people selling to market, um, you know, month on month. And I think in many ways, we're only now starting to see instant sell as the kind of thing that it was designed to be. We, when we started, we 
everyone had to sell to market, that was it. Now people are using it as more of a, a backstop. You know, it's like a safety net. And I think, I, I think, that's, I think that's great. Um, and I imagine as we go forward, there will be numerous liquidity providers and in addition ourselves um, sort of sitting sitting the other side to to take some of the the risk spreads are spreads are always a hot topic aren't they but i think that discussion from what i saw sort of was reasonably well explained in that article and uh, yeah i encourage your listeners to read that yeah i think i think as as well you know uh, just to back up mike on on the order book part is you know when I was working at eBay in the past, uh, there was an idea that you could be a a win-win-win. So the person who's buying gets a bargain by stepping into the middle and paying slightly less than the market price. The person who's uh, selling gets to sell at a better price. And uh, we get to um, facilitate that and step out of the step out of the deal so it's a it's a really nice uh, really nice thing reminds me of adam's uh, story of buying a rug in morocco where he's walking away thinking he's got a bargain and the uh, guy on the stall thinks that he's like absolutely you know robbed him blind for uh, <laughs> every last penny so he said it's the best deal in the world you know everyone everyone's a winner so yeah that's it it's good news i think for everyone the ability to you know be able to kind of go occupy that space when people talk about you know ipos all these things that they they have some some form of disdain towards uh, for one reason or another with spreads for me it's always been okay they might not be ideal now or how i'd like them right now but at one point in the future they might not be they're not going to be loud they are and they're going to be far more um user dictated so to speak or there are going to be for the liquidity providers which are going to really boost and, and grow the market which I think is really exciting yeah I, I guess that there's that um, I, I think it was possibly taken out of context but to go back to the question you asked before about like just having a football manager like every single footballer in the world on there um, kind of the issue with that is and I, I, I tweeted about it a while ago where you know if you look at like a US horse race um, there's very little liquidity in there, if you, and that's even on Betfair. If you look at other markets, you, you'll see it's even it's even thinner. And we kind of don't want that experience. I think that what might happen in that case is that people really feel like more disgruntled. Um, so I think it is important that we try to keep the market as premium footballers as as much as possible. Yeah, I mean they should be where the action is really. <laughs> Uh, we've got a few more questions before we wrap up Uh, the FI investor here he says well this is quite a long winded one so apologies if I stumble can you explain in a fair bit of detail why you get dividend payment errors and in some occasions it takes so long to rectify possibly uh, use the Alberto Starman dividends from last weekend as an example so you know Lewis Alberto not being paid out on time Mm -hmm. Uh, a deeper understanding of the complexities involved will make traders more appreciative and patient when things go wrong a tweet is probably not enough nowadays expectations to deliver a first-class service are probably at its highest but at the same time there seems to be no improvement from the outside in teach us educate us make us understand thanks 
I, yeah, I think uh, expectations to deliver first class service, exactly what we want to do, hence the investment in technology. Um, as I talked about with the new CTO, the ever-growing team, etc. Um, we've we've actually done quite a bit of work though recently on this. I was I was privy to a conversation with a, a one of our sort of um, brilliant developers who explained in sort of layman's terms how and why uh, occasionally these payment errors happen. So. I will try to relay that as as it was explained to me, um, and I'm sure Kieran will uh, then correct correct <laughs> me afterwards. Um, so I believe the, the what happens is obviously the the dividends are calculated based on the number of shares that you own and the the winning player in each category. Um, uh, about midnight, there's a a job as it's called, which uh, runs in the in the background against the database, and it says, okay, you're owed. You know, a pound, euro, ten pounds, etc., etc., and so it goes on. <clears throat> and that job goes through the database to uh, pay each customer out. What ha- what can happen because we're a live market and there's uh, numerous um, trades and people engaging in activity through like 24 hours a day is that people um, if if people are active during the payouts, the the previous system would sort of hit them and then either stop in some instances and not complete the job for everyone or uh, miss some people out and then and then go through it. So what they've developed now is a is a more robust system which um, obviously the job starts running through paying out the dividends. If someone is active during that time and actually skip them, and, and return back and ensure that they they are paid out when their balance etc isn't changing to make sure that they get an accurate uh, payout. I think, in a nutshell, in very very layman's terms, uh, that's what they've done. They've and they've um, put more checks and balances and efficiencies into that process, and hopefully we will see fewer dividend payout issues as a consequence. Is that correct, Kieran? Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty much nailed it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, in, in, in general terms, a lot of the stability and system issues that we see are all kind of a function of just it being an ever more active platform with more traders, more concurrent actions, um, and just more actions happening. So there's more of a chance of some one in a million chance happening because there's been a million trades or something like that. (laughs) Of course, it all works brilliantly when there was, you know, a hundred traders and, you know, the job went off and they paid everyone out and everyone was in bed and that was that. that. But now it's, you know, now that we're in so far ahead of that, that it's, it's, um, yeah, it's a bigger undertaking. But as, as Mike says, you know, we've spent a lot of time and effort trying to build out and, and reinforce and make, make more robust some of these processes and putting more and more support and operations processes in place to, to check and follow up and, and be quick and resolve errors as and when they happen more quickly. Mm, interesting. I think uh, 
you know, tweets or blogs like that is probably something that a FI investor is, is looking forward to potentially. Um, but it's, yeah, really, really nice explanation there, Mike. Um, Football Index now, with news of a further round of crowdfunding on the way, can you give us details on how much you wanting, you're wanting to raise and what you intend on doing with the raised funds? So I think this happened or... This, this is I, I think a, it's a mi- misinterpretation. This um, is a private... We're, we're not doing another crowdfunding round at, the, at this point. Um, what we did was a, a small uh, small private round for, uh, for private investors. Um, and as a, re- as a result of the previous investment by the crowdfunding on Cedars, those, those uh, shareholders had a, had a right to not get diluted. Mm. Uh, so they had, a, they had the right to buy a few more shares. And uh, it looked like there was decent uptake, which is obviously uh, positive for you guys because there's people that believe in this thing, right? Indeed, yeah. I think the Cedars thing was great. And actually, I'd, I'd recommend to anyone starting a business um, that if they really believe in it, um, to, to put it out there to crowdfunding. I think, I think it's one of, the, one of the best things we've ever done. We've sort of got really like a lot of loyalty from that. And um, yeah, highly recommended. This podcast not sponsored by Cedars, by the way. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm joking. Um, football MDJ, uh, brilliant work, figures. Uh, my question to each of them: If you could turn back time and change one thing that you've done in an FI context, what would it be and why? Obviously, uh, you know, in in some ways, you, you can't really tell on what you need until you've been there. But yeah, sometimes in hindsight, oh, you know. Perhaps oh, it would have been great if we hired this guy a little bit sooner, or if we'd gotten this a little bit sooner. But uh, it's it's all a journey in a way. Um, so uh, it's been really important to to just stay awake during it, so that we make sure and respond to the right signals at the right time. Uh, whether that's what our customers want, whether whether that's the the scale of the system, whether that's uh, opportunities to to grow um, in you know in terms of marketing opportunities so it's yeah C- certainly far far from saying that I, I think we've done everything right it's it's really hard to to say that you know uh, we we could have preempted some of these things in a way I think with some of that as well some of the mistakes I can't think of a mistake that we've made which we didn't learn from and subsequently address. So I think that that, in a, in a sense, do you, do you know what I mean? I, I wouldn't like to have not made some of the mistakes, partially because I don't think that they were kind of terminal mistakes, but I think that by definition you learn from the mistakes and um, I think we do have a kind of better understanding of our customers now. I think that was... Maybe if I was to reflect on one thing, it would probably be that we could have tapped into that community earlier um, and realised the value and the enthusiasm that people had a bit earlier. I think that we were relatively quick to do that and we did sort of trader meets and Q&As and and whatnot. Um, But, you know, equally we probably made some mistakes which would have been avoidable. But I think... A lot of that was down to the fact that it was very much Kieran, myself, and Adam, on a very you know on a very small team, small budget sort of outfit, um, 
and the ability to kind of turn things around was probably, you know, and engage with people in the way that we would have liked to was probably not, not there. But yeah, I think, again, as I say, I think we've learned from that. That's why we're doing stuff like the trader panel, the surveys, you know, sitting here speaking to you today. <laughs> um, yeah, just kind of love all the feedback, love the business, everyone. In, in that room, it just seems like really charged up to like make this happen. We all really believe in it. And uh, yeah, you know, long may it continue. It's, it's been a great journey. And that leads us on nicely to the last question, which was probably most asked and asked by so many people. What does FI look like in one year, five years and 10 years respectively? So in, in one year, we should, be ha- we should have a very vibrant and, and flourishing uh, order book based trading system. Um, so, you know, I think that's kind of going to unlock quite a lot of potential for growth for us. And it's going to unlock some, some market segments uh, around more experienced traders uh, for us, I think. Uh, five years, do you want to take five years, Mike? Yeah, well, I guess if we get that. Um, the five-year mark is kind of other territories, other verticals. So, you know, you might have your cricket in India or your golf, wherever, that's big. Um, yeah, so multiple territories, multiple verticals, just, I think, establishing that idea that recreational markets can exist um, and they can be real and they're an opportunity to, you know, be a form of entertainment and potentially hopefully make a bit of money um, but 10 years I think we're I don't think it is actually I think we all like massively... football index Mars <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think we want in the next 10 years at, uh, to be a global brand so whether or not we'd be accessible in every territory is 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 one thing but to be a globally recognized business um, a familiar concept a familiar concept of the recreational markets um, out there in multiple territories with multiple um, ways of buying different sports stars and or other I think is is great that's where we want to be um, that's what everyone's sort of driving towards um, so yeah, I think I think that's a fair aspiration, ten-year plan. Yeah, sounds good to me. No, I think someone's going to buy the uh, the URL for Football Index Mars by this point. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Thanks very much uh, for doing this. I think the familiarity point is is really interesting because we were in the lift coming up, and I said to you that um, when we did the live show for the Thickcast episode 100, the two bar people had chosen that uh, that rotor. That, uh, that night specifically just so they could have like free access to the event because they were for the living trainers <laughs> and I was like yeah two years ago we've never seen something like that so it's, yeah. um, it's crazy how much it's grown but Mike where can people find out more a bit about you or if they want to give any feedback uh, well on Twitter I guess I haven't been on there much lately but I'll try and be more active or, or not depending on what people want uh, <laughs> but you can always at me or DM me um, or, or yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, there's also like a, a load of other guys in the marketing team um, on there. So, you know, Tom Renderson, uh, Stuart Coggin, for, for instance, 
um, you know, get, get involved and, and speak to them. If you like any of our creative, Joe, Joe Briggs is, is, is kind of heading up that stuff and um, like the, the kind of direction of that and all feedback's welcome. Like if you can be nice about it, that's good. You can still say it's rubbish, but you know, give us a smiley face. Uh, Kieran, what about yourself? Yeah, same thing really. Um, uh, yeah, uh, we'll also be kind of making a conscious effort as we roll out some of these new features and some of these new uh, new website experiences and so on to to really look for a lot of feedback. So um, you know that that goes that goes to fairly high levels and and kind of you know is is very valued. So. Uh, we're really looking forward to a lot of a lot of feedback to, so that we can make a, a, a great platform for you. Amazing. Thanks very much for taking out the time to do this, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you guys are, are listening, uh, thanks very much for listening all the way through this hour 20 or so. Uh, if you're commuting on your commute, hope it makes it go a bit quicker. If you're not commuting, doing whatever you're doing, uh, thanks very much for listening. And sorry if we didn't get to answer all your questions. This post went a bit crazy when we announced that we're doing another show. So, uh, yeah, appreciate everyone's uh, support. and. Uh,